And throughout our service today, if as I'm speaking, the Lord brings to your mind, because here's what the way the Holy Spirit works. He works in a real and a tangible way, and he will actually identify some lies that you've taken a hold of, and they speak into your mind, and you've kind of believed them as truth. As soon as the Holy Spirit says that to you or brings that to your mind, and it may be about yourself, it may be about your past, it may be about your future, it may be about another person. So when that happens, you don't have to jump up and say bingo or anything. You can just write it down, okay? We're going to deal with them at the end of the service. But I believe that God is going to speak to us today. I don't want today just to be another sermon. And you can turn to Genesis chapter 3 while, we're, while I'm speaking. I don't want today to be just another sermon that you hear. A lot of times when we come to church, it's, we come and we hear a sermon. It was like, well, that was okay. I asked Lori, well, how did I do today? And so, you know, she'll give me like a 7.5. I'm like, 7.5. She's tough. I mean, like my mom would give me like an 8 at least, you know, but Lori would give ah, maybe an 8. No, maybe an 8 today. Today is not a day in which we, I want you to, to say, well, that was a good sermon and walk out of here and forget about it. But what I'd like to do is put a tool in your hand. I would like to give you something that will revolutionize your life and the lives of people around you. I want it to be a tool that you use and practice every day. From today on, I want this to be a tool that you have, that you can practice with, that you can use every day. Every problem that you and I have ever faced or will ever face can be traced back to a lie. The problems of this world all started with a lie in Genesis chapter 3. When the serpent said to Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? He began by distorting the truth of what God had said. God did say this. God said, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Isn't it amazing? Eve and Adam are placed in a place of paradise. It is perfect. I mean, if you can imagine the best vacation spot, the most beautiful spot that you could ever imagine with everything being provided for you, that cannot compare to what Eden was like, okay? It can't be compared. And God said, you can have any tree that you want. Just don't touch here. Just don't eat here. And what does man want to do? We somehow, somehow very quickly, we forget all the things that we can do. We forget all the freedoms that we have been given. We forget all of the blessings that are there. And somehow their attention was turned through the enemy. Their attention was turned to this tree. The serpent said, you'll certainly not die. Verse 4, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan has been a liar and a deceiver from the beginning. Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter 8 verse 44, he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, 
for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Did you hear what he said? He says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Now, I know a guy that people close to him used to always say, if his mouth is moving, you can be sure of one thing. He's lying. Any time that his mouth was moving, he would be lying. They said of him that even when the truth was better, even when it made more sense to tell the truth, this gentleman would lie. Satan is a liar. And if his mouth is moving, if he's talking to you, you can be sure of one thing that he is lying to you. He was a deceiver back then. And he is still working very hard to deceive the people of God. You're familiar with the rest of the story. Adam and Eve, Eve partook of the fruit. She gave it to her husband. And when they partook of the fruit, their eyes were opened. And they saw that they were naked and they were ashamed. And so they ran and they hid themselves because in the cool of the day, God would come and he would walk with them and he would talk with them. Can I say this to you today? God still wants to walk and talk and commune with his people every day. That was their routine. In the cool of the day, God would come and he would walk and talk with them. But they hid themselves because they were ashamed. But God came looking for them. And in Genesis 3.11, God said to him, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, what's he say? The woman you put here, God. He didn't just throw Eve under the bus. He threw God under the bus too. He's like, God, it's your fault. This woman that you gave me, she gave it to me. It's really not my fault. So he throws not only Eve, but he throws it back on God. She gave me some fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now I want you to see a principle clearly demonstrated here in scripture in the Garden of Eden. Eve knew the truth. She even quoted the truth to the serpent. But when the serpent contradicted the truth, Eve chose to believe him. If you read on in the text, you see that Adam and Eve came under God's judgment. She was a victim of the devil's lie, but she had no excuse because the truth was readily available to her. She should have listened to the truth and not believed a lie. One author that I read wrote, if we believe a lie, the consequences will be much the same as if it were true. In a sense, we create our own reality based upon our belief. We've all heard the old adage that seeing is believing, but the truth is, believing is seeing. We will see what we believe. From my recent message about the 12 spies, 10 of them said, there's giants in the land. And what did they say? And we seem like grasshoppers in their own eyes. And we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes into them. That's what they saw. 
But the truth was, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. But the truth was, the land was already theirs. God had said he had given it to them. The truth was, God said, it's your land, go take possession of it. But they chose to believe the lie. They chose to believe that the giants were greater. Now, here's what I want to, what you, what I encourage you to do. We need to identify the lies that we are believing. If you have any form of bondage in your life, if you have any form of bondage, I know one thing. It's connected to a lie. Somewhere, somehow, you have believed a lie. How do you know that, pastor? Because Jesus said in John 8, 32, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So anywhere that there's bondage in your life, it's somehow, some way connected to a lie that you have grabbed a hold of and accepted as truth. And today I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that you allow the Holy Spirit to deal with those areas of lies in our hearts. How did Jesus respond to the lies of the enemy? When the enemy began to speak to him and to distort the truth, because a lot of times what he'll do is he'll take truth, he'll twist it a little bit, and then he will, by twisting the truth a little bit, he'll distort that. When he tried that with Jesus, Jesus responded by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written, It is written, every time the enemy lied to him, Jesus responded by telling him the truth. It is written, it is written, it is written. We need to identify the lie and we need to speak truth into it. The lies in the darkness have held you and I back long enough. We need to get the truth inside of us. Any place where there's depression, pastor, no, no, no. You know what, here's what the word says, that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Anywhere that there are the works of the flesh, anywhere where the enemy is working havoc in your life, somewhere along the line, there has been a lie that has been accepted. There's been a lie that's been taken hold of. Now, I want you to think about this. The psalmist wrote, Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. The importance of us getting this truth inside of us. Do you know who wrote that? I want you to hear it one more time. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. You know who wrote that? It's in Psalms. Psalms 51. Do you know when he wrote that? What was Psalms 51 about? David had had an affair with Bathsheba. He had Uriah the Hittite, her husband, killed. This is during David's time of repentance. And so David says, in, during his time of repentance, he says, surely you desire truth in the inmost parts. Now, a lot of times we think, when we read that, when we read that, we think, okay, God wants me to confess everything I've ever done, okay? 
that he, he wants truth in the inmost parts. And so some of you are thinking, yeah, God wants truth. So I got to think back to all the things I did. I, I think I confessed most of them, but there may have been a few that I prefer not to tell anybody about that time. You know what I mean? That's not what it's about. For David to do what he did. I want you to think about David for a minute. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. David was the young boy out on the backside of the family ranch, as it were, taking care of his dad's sheep. Whenever it was time to choose a king, Jesse, one of your boys is going to be a king. David was not even on his dad's radar. He was not even considered. But God recognized something about David. There was something about his heart and his spirit. So how does a man go from being a man after God's own heart to being a man who kills, commits adultery, covers it up? I'm going to tell you how. He does it by believing a lie. For David to do what he did, somewhere along the line, he had to accept a lie and somehow take that into himself and be deceived by a lie. So when David is repenting, what he's saying, he's saying, Lord, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. I can't accept these lies. I can't believe these things that are not true because somehow his mind had to convince him that, David, this is cool. David, this is acceptable. There was a lie that he had grabbed a hold of. He believed a lie. Second Samuel chapter 2, verse 8, God said, I gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah, and if all of this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? Why did he despise the word of the Lord? Because at some point, somewhere along the line, he heard a lie and he accepted that and he believed it. God said, I gave you your master's house. I gave you your master's wives. I gave you Israel and Judah. And if all of this had been too little, if you wanted anything else or you needed anything else, David, I would have given that to you. All you would have had to do is simply ask me. I would have given it to you. Why did you despise the word of the Lord? I'm going to tell you why I despised it. Because he accepted, he heard a lie. Somehow the enemy sent a fiery dart or some way that, David, you know, you, you don't get everything that you, de- you know, all the things that you deserve. Somehow the enemy lied to him and he accepted that and he bought into that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish every arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We engage in spiritual warfare by faith, by believing the truth that God reveals. And I want you to understand this. A lot of times when we think about spiritual warfare, people will get all excited 
and like they think of themselves as a spiritual ninja, or they see themselves, they'll get all excited and want to shadow box with the devil, or kick him, or knee him. Maybe some of you have been in your prayer closet at times, yelling. People come in, they're like, you're throwing the devil to the ground, you're doing all these things. You're taking your Bible and waving it in the air, and, and slamming it, using it like a sword. You know, you get all pumped up. I'm going to tell you, the, the reality of it is, is the spiritual warfare is truth. It's the truth that sets us free. It's the word of God. It's a, it's a sword. God's word is a sword. But it's the truth of God's word. It's the truth that sets people free. It's the truth that demolishes strongholds. See, the enemy comes in with these lies. He cannot beat you. He can't defeat you. He can't defeat you as long as he doesn't get you to believe the lies. The way that he destroys people is through deception. It's through trickery. As long as you follow the word of God, as long as you obey him, as long as you submit yourself to his authority, he does not have any power over your life. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus. What can he do against the blood? What can he do? Where he works his havoc is he comes in and he starts sowing seeds of doubt. And those seeds of doubt lead to actions. They lead to thoughts. They lead to attitudes. And so that's where the enemy gets his way. It's not that he's like some ninja and you're fighting him that way. It's by obeying the truth. It's by obeying the truth. It's holding firmly to the truth that you've received. That's where freedom comes. That's where victory comes in our lives. It's not how loud you can yell. Yeah, there's times in which we need to do a shout of praise. You can shout all day, and if you're believing the lies, your butt's going to get kicked. You can dance all day long, and you can jump up all day long, but if you're believing lies, your feet are going to be knocked right out from underneath of you. It's the truth of God's word. It's the truth that we put into practice that brings freedom and liberty in our lives. As long as the enemy can lie to people, with David, he lied to him, and somehow David believed his lies. The enemy wants to come with lies. The lie is you're too weak to continue on. The truth is his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. The lie is you're never going to change. The truth is that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. The lie is you can't truly be forgiven and accepted by God with all the things that you've done in your past. But the truth is, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgression from us. What lie have you been believing that's held you back? The crazy thing is that when you believe it, it often has the same impact on us as if it were true. So if you believe the lie... It's almost as if you give that lie power and authority over your life and in your life. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 says this. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he's taken out of the way. Who's the one that holds it back? The Holy Spirit, okay? He'll continue to hold back until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. People get all scared about whenever the Holy Spirit's removed and the lawless one is revealed. 
They get all scared about that. But I want you to hear what's going to happen. Whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth. Do you hear what he's going to do? Like people get worried about the end times. I'm going to be ready. I'm not staying. If you want to stay, that's up to you. I'm going up during the rapture, just so that you know. All right? I had a relative. I used to tell them whenever the Lord came, I was going to leave my stuff to him. They were like, oh, wow. Hey. (laughs) It says, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. What does it say? It says they perished because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. Now, what did I say to you at the very beginning? Genesis chapter 3. The principle is this. God set before Adam and Eve. He set before them. It wasn't just Abram. God set before him life and death, blessings and cursings. He set before them the truth, and the serpent came with a lie. Eve chose to accept the lie. She chose to believe the lie, and as a result, you and I live with the consequences. Today, I want to say to you that God sets before you truth and lies. He sets them before you. The enemy is going to come continually with lies. Lies, it'll say... You can't be forgiven. Lies will say that you haven't changed. Can I tell you what he'll lie about? He'll lie about you. He'll lie about your future. He'll lie about the character of God. One of the things he loves to do is he loves to sow division and discord. And so he'll speak lies into marriages. He'll put a lie there. Maybe with even a tiny bit of evidence that you could, well, maybe I could believe that one. I can believe that about him, maybe. He'll sow lies into family relationships. Any close relationship that's life-giving, he loves to sow division into those relationships. He'll speak lies to you about other brothers and sisters in Christ. He'll speak lies about the church, his body. Satan loves to lie to people. See, because if he can get you to believe a lie, he can destroy your soul. If he can get you to believe a lie, he'll make you ineffective. If he can get you to believe a lie, he'll keep you from moving into the promises that God has for you. If he can get you to believe a lie, your life will end up as if the lie were true. Isn't that amazing? Today, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any place that you've been believing a lie how will we know what lie we've been believing well let me ask you this where is there bondage in your life where's there bondage what part of your life is you'd say pastor I'm not free in that area of my life I'm telling you straight up 
you've been believing a lie. Sometimes I have to say things to you that are hard. And sometimes it makes me feel bad because I don't like saying hard things. But there's two things. So many of you here, you, your kids, your wife, your marriage, your businesses, your finances. God wakes me up at ungodly hours. I don't know if he's even up there. And he puts you on my heart to pray for you. Pray for some of your marriages. I pray for you to to escape the enemy's snares. I pray that you'll listen. I pray that you'll repent. I just want you to win. That's all I want. I want you to win. So if I have to say some things to you that are hard, that sting, you got anybody else who's up at 2.30 praying for you? You might. Anyone who'll get up at 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and call out my name, and they want to tell me something, I'm going to listen. All right? He's lied to us long enough. He's deceived us long enough. I want to talk to people. There's people who had traumatic experiences. Traumatic experiences. And those things speak into your life. They've become things that mark your life. That negative experience, that negative, that thing that happened. And the enemy uses that to lie to you. It still keeps you trapped. As if it's still going on. As if somehow, as if it still has power 15 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, 40, 50 years later. There's men and women who live as if those experiences will determine the rest of your future. Can I tell you, that's a stinking lie. But as long as you believe it, the enemy will accomplish his purpose. All he's got to do is get you to believe the lie. That's all he's got to do. But I have a remedy for you today. The Lord has a remedy. David said, after he messed up, he hurt so many people. He recognized this. Lord, you desire truth in the inner parts. Not just him telling everybody what he did. If David would have had that truth in the inner part of him, if he would have not accepted the lie that the enemy fed him, all of that destruction would never have taken place. It wouldn't have taken place. But the truth of God's word is even if you've messed up like big time, he can still restore you. Even if you're in the midst of failure right now, he still loves you. And is committed to you. His heart is for you. He's totally and completely devoted to you. And his desire is not to humiliate you. But his desire is to restore you. To right relationship with him. And right relationship with others. He's not against you. The deceiver wants you to think God's against you. He's mad. He doesn't care. 
whatever he can do to separate you from God, from his body, the church, from the people who are really close, who would be life-giving to you. So we're going to take a few moments and we're going to do this. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to some areas of your life where there's bondage, where there's pain, where there's brokenness. Kind of like any place where it's the opposite of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And today we'll start with maybe two or three. The Holy Spirit will show those things to you. And as he does that, I want you to write them down. And then your job is to search out the truth. Lord, the enemy says, I'm no good. But you say I'm precious and honored in your sight. Lord, the enemy says that I'm incapable. But you say that I'm more than able. Whatever the lie that the enemy has spoken into your life. The enemy says you'll never change, that you can't do anything. But God, your word says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Whatever those things are, some of you, he's been lying to you about your spouse. He's been lying to you about your family. He's been sowing discord in your home. That needs to be identified. And I'm going to ask you to write down, when you see the lie, I'm going to ask you then to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, you've revealed this lie to me. And you may have to do some work on this. You may have to get the scripture out and see what God's truth is. You'll never stop drinking. No, he and the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then I'm going to ask you to do this. For the next month, those three things, two things that God puts his finger on that are lies you've been believing, don't do any more than three. Those two or three things that the Holy Spirit, maybe it's one or two, that he's put his finger on. Because you've been believing them for a long time. They're deeply ingrained in some of you. They're deeply ingrained. For the next month, I'm going to ask you to every day, give me two minutes a day. And you write down the answer of what God's truth is there. And then you speak that. You look in the mirror and say, I'm precious and honored in his sight. I'm highly favored. I'm blessed. I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. You quote the scripture with the prescription. That's your prescription to the problem. And write that down every day for the next month until that gets into your spirit so that when the enemy starts saying that, instead of you agreeing that your natural response is, no, that's a lie. That's not true. And then I'm going to ask you this. For the rest of your life, I'm going to start for this month now. For the rest of your life, I'm going to ask you to to take a morning routine of letting the Lord renew your mind. What other lie have you believed? Well, well, I found out that God loves me. He's not against me. He's not accusing me. I found out my wife's pretty nice. My husband's pretty nice. They're a gift from God. Wow, imagine that. What other lies have I been believing? What other lies has the enemy brought into my life that are hindering me? And we're just going to work our way through. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal truth. We're going to allow him to do that. Jesus, bless your people. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you that you never have lied to me once. 
Thank you that your truth is here. In Jesus' name.